0: Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cato, here, and I'm going to bring in my two co hosts in just a second. Thank you very much for joining along to today's episode. We are recapping the 2021 Portuguese Grand Prix here on episode number 104. And before we get right into all of the race events, just a reminder that this podcast is sponsored by the GP Box, the world's leading motorsport marketplace website. You can go into the video description down below and find a bunch of exclusive discount code links, uh, courtesy of our friends at GP Box that you can use exclusive to Backmarker's F1 show viewers and get yourself some awesome F1 merchandise that I think you'll really, really enjoy. All right, now that all the official corporate stuff is out of the way, tonight joining me, also from ottawa canada still on the zoom edition of the podcast i got tyler mcdonald tyler good day to you or actually good evening by the time we we're recording this how, how's it going
1: all pretty good uh it was a uh, a good race in portugal not as exciting as last year but uh all in all i thought uh, the fans got what they deserved in portugal and um no all is well over here how about you chris
0: Oh, yeah, doing good. I I would agree with the same shots on the race. You know, it was uh, first half of the race. I think we were messaging back and forth was was very exciting and in a strategic battle. But the second half of the race kind of just fell off a little bit. But nonetheless, it was just nice to see again that the top two championship contenders were really the main focus focus in Portugal, which was awesome. So the third member of our team, Shaker Barty as well. You saw him on the live stream this past weekend. He's back for this episode as well. Shaker, how's it was? How is it going?
2: Good, good. You know, just uh, getting ready for the summer. I mean, <laughs> yeah, next week basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Good joke. We had uh, what snow two three days ago.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: it's currently May the third, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully it'll get here, you know, before before July at least. But uh, anyways, let's let's roll right into uh, all the stuff that happened from this race, and let's begin obviously with what was really the main talking point. We had a bunch of smaller events that we're going to get to, but the main focus was obviously the championship battle, right, Max Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton. And very interesting in this race that they exchanged positions, right? You saw Verstappen getting the better of Hamilton at the restart. And then, of course, Lewis coming back and eventually passing Max for position and then going on to win the race. So it wasn't necessarily Red Bull's weekend. They struggled a lot with these windy conditions. I think also struggled with the harder tire allocation, especially when, when they went on to the C1 tire, the white sidewall. They very, very much struggled in comparison to Mercedes. So with that in mind, I think at the end of the day for Verstappen, second place, probably the best that they could have hoped for. Um, If he would have been able to start on pole position, maybe he would have been able to steal the victory. But I just think Hamilton's pace was just too much in the end in Portugal.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, um, it was interesting though at first when he overtook Lewis uh, on that restart, like you mentioned, Chris, and it was a beautiful move, by the way, just to catch Lewis sleeping on the restart. Uh, Bottas waited a long time for things to get going, uh, and then when he took off, it's almost like Verstappen timed it perfectly with Bottas, and he actually had a lift when he was going down the straightaway to make sure not to pass Lewis before the start-finish straight, otherwise it would have been a penalty. So uh, I thought it was a, a very well-timed move from Max And he got his team the upper hand in that sense, because I think if he wouldn't have gotten that pass, there's no chance he would have been able uh, to push for first or or to be able to maybe push for second as well. The track position really helped him uh, throughout the whole race. So unfortunately, uh, didn't come out with the win because Lewis pulled a beautiful move right back on Max and um, the Red Bulls really struggled for front or for straight line speed. Uh, throughout the whole weekend, it seemed uh, the only time really looked like they had speed was when uh, Sergio Perez passed Lando Norris uh, midway through the race. So um, something for Red Bull to work on, of course, but uh, you know, just a beautiful drive by Lewis once again.
2: Uh, yeah, I agree. A beautiful drive from Lewis. And I think uh, we can all say that he doesn't drive differently if he's in first place or second place, shown by his pass on Perez, thinking he was in first the entire time. Uh, so yeah, but just great drive from Lewis Hamilton. Even from Max to you know get that initial overtake right off that first lap and kind of do what he can with it. And then in the end, obviously, he came out a little bit short. But great drive overall from both of them. And even even Valtteri, you know, he did what he could. Uh, could in the end to get uh, uh, to get the podium. But yeah, great great drive overall from the from all from everyone this weekend. To be honest.
1: Lewis was looking for blue flags on Perez because he thought he was, <laughs> you no,
2: know, he was lapping the, uh, the
1: Red Bulls last year around Ports of Maui, you know, figured that he was lapping them again, but is he looking for, for those blue flags? But I thought it was a pretty funny moment, uh, when his engineer came back and nope, uh, that's for position, Lewis. <laughs> it's like <Yeah>. you're
2: racing. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's like you said, Tyler, he's not used to, Passing the second Red Bull for position, right? So I think Perez led more laps in that race than Albon and Gasly did in their entire Red Bull careers, uh, which we're going to get to Perez in in just a moment with his strategy. But just you guys were touching on Valtteri Bottas. Actually, he quite disappointed me in in the race. In the weekend, I was impressed by him. Obviously, he, he got pole position, which was a little bit of a surprise, I must say, but it was a very good lap. And you could see how upbeat he was, kind of, (laughs) not so much the Mercedes garage when they cut to the the scenes after he got pole. It looked like they were having a funeral procession instead. But Valtteri was very upbeat and and ready to insert himself back into the championship. And then in the race, okay, he, he started off decently. I was really disappointed, though, when Hamilton got by him in the sense that the defense from Bottas was just not good. It was just not good at all and he's got to get his elbows out i'm not saying crash into him but look at how max is willing to rub tires with lewis and and, and go wheel to wheel with him i just think baltas let him by too
1: easily well i really noticed that you know lewis was really struggling at the start of the race on his tires and then all of a sudden he got that in the perfect working temperature and he like his car was on rails he was he was passing everyone um you know there's no no corrections at all he was just loving life in that car and for me it just seemed Valtteri never got those working temperatures perfect uh, with his tires and just continued to you know not struggle but he just didn't have that car on rails like Lewis did so I'm not sure if that was maybe the issue or, or what but it just seemed that the the Lewis did a lot better job getting his tires exactly where he wanted maybe maybe Valtteri took too much life out of his tires at first I'm not sure Um, but yeah like you said I like, would have liked him to defend a little harder against Lewis uh, kind of, I think I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, the, the Rosberg style of how Rosberg battled Lewis and how there was that rivalry, that intensity, and you know, no inch is going to be given either way. And it's a com- the complete opposite with these two, uh, with Valtteri and Hamilton. Maybe that's what Mercedes want, And that's why they have Valtteri in that seat. But um, I, I want to see Valtteri do well because he generally seems like a good guy and he's a fantastic race car driver.
0: I, I might just say, just before we get to Shaker's thoughts, when Lewis got on the radio and he said, tires are gone or whatever he said, I was like, I knew he was lying through his yeah. teeth. And Always then, does. Next thing you know, purple sector, purple sector, purple sector. I'm like, yeah, yeah he's not fooling me this time.
1: It's got to be a code word or something. Like, gone means like, okay, they're, they're perfect. I'm I'm gone. Like, I'm going to go flying through the field. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> like, whatever he says that, just, he lights it up
2: yeah i mean you guys are wrong i think valtteri obviously didn't get it at the end but i think uh to get the fastest lap right at the very end to kind of make up for what was I mean, not the greatest race but over a great probably a great overall race weekend for him probably better than the rest that he's had but obviously not a great race um but just to get the fastest lap at the end just by what two hundredths oh, of a second to get it yeah. to and then uh, two hundredths of a second or something like that uh, not too bad. And you talk, we always talk about the Rosberg and Hamilton, you know, rivalry, but I think now, kind of like knowing the sport a little bit more, I guess, you know, watching what five years now, I can't remember. Um, but I think it was a different rivalry. I don't think Valtteri has the exact same, you know drive that Nico Rosberg had had, you know with Lewis uh, driving with Lewis Hamilton since he was very young to be that driver to be pushing Hamilton the entire way uh, but it, I think it was okay no not great still got the points still in top three no not bad
1: you mentioned that Valtteri getting the fast slap of the race and obviously he got pull but like both times it was because Max went off track if Max Stays on track for both those times. Max gets pole, and he gets fastest lap of the race. So I mean, you can look at that perspective too, where like, yeah, he had his car dialed up and technically beat Lewis in qualifying and on the fastest lap of the race. um But I mean, Max also kind of got not shafted. I'm glad they're they're inflicting the rules. We have the rules set <laughs> now. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they, this stays for Spain because um, I think Max said oh, I didn't know they were checking track limits in turn 14, but I guess so. Whatever. I think that's what he said after the race for the fastest lap. So, I mean, maybe we'll see, but it's just an interesting little note there as well that, you know, the Red Bull is pretty handy around the track on its own.
0: Yeah, he was wrong about that, though, because they were actually enforcing it in turn 14. And it was I wasn't honestly necessarily surprised either, because I actually knew that in turn 14, they were enforcing it. And uh, I forget exactly which other corners (laughs) they were in qualifying turn four as well. If you remember, uh, the oversteer moment for Stappen had in Q3, I believe it was or Q2. So they were actually enforcing it. So I'm not sure if Maybe that was just some gamesmanship that Verstappen was doing, but it it all factors in and it's a good point that you bring up as well that just he wasn't happy with the car. You know, All the way throughout the weekend was just struggling and he wasn't really happy with the track surface, the harder tires. So I think that was the case and what we talked about going into this race was going to be the key is which team can fire the tires up into the right working window and it seems like Mercedes did just that. Obviously, some of the improvements that they've made to the car since Bahrain, you're seeing that they're a little bit closer now and, and Red Bull and Mercedes are almost evenly matched now, and it's going to really differ circuit to circuit, right? And, and just the right conditions. So ultimately, again, as I said, off the top of the show, getting that P2 championship leads is only eight points. Would have been nice to get the extra point, but at the end of the day, sort of damage limitation in a way. And they even post race in the radio, they seemed quite happy with that result regardless. Yeah, I
1: think, I think they were uh, pretty
2: Go ahead, Shaker. I was going to say, I think Max said it best. Is that well, at the end, at the end of the race, it's the best that they could hope for this weekend, and the best that they got um, in terms of you know fighting, fighting. Uh, uh, oh my God, I keep staring off. Sorry. <laughs> Let me restart that. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, I think Max said it best at the end of the race. It's the best that they could have hoped for this weekend. Um, you know, getting second, fighting with uh, Mercedes the entire way, and putting on the pressure that they they could. Um, good strategy with Perez, keeping him out as long as they could to try and keep that fight between Valtteri a little bit close, but obviously it wasn't, uh, you know, keeping some of the McLarens back as well. So I think in the end, it's, it's the best that Red Bull could have hoped for as a team for the entire weekend. They got double points. Uh, you know, Perez got, Perez is getting more comfortable with the car. Um, so yeah, well, I think we'll definitely see more at Spain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now that we can segue that into their the next topic perfectly, which was Sergio Perez, and I've got two topics tied together here because it relates to Perez. I think this was the first race in which we saw the actual team battle going on of Red Bull versus Mercedes, where Perez didn't make any mistakes and was somewhat in contention. Obviously, he he got passed by Norris early on. So that kind of hampered his race just a little bit. But you show why Sergio Perez is so valuable to this team, being able to almost do the entire race distance on the medium tire. And I thought at first that was a strategy that they were going to try and back Lewis up into Verstappen, but he was too far away. And then obviously by the time Hamilton caught up, Perez's tires were actually done and and he really did need to come into the pits. But again, having that option for Red Bull is just something new to them compared to the last two years. And then like you guys mentioned, getting that fastest lap, which, which is a big bonus for them too. So I, I think that... All in all, a decent weekend for Sergio Perez. And like you said, Shaker, he's building very nicely into the next couple of races and getting more comfortable. So Valtteri is going to have his work cut out for him as well to try and cover off the second Red Bull. But I think that nice to see Perez finally insert himself into the championship battle a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned how you're talking about Perez and um, backing, uh, you know, maybe backing Lewis up into Max. and. Now, Martin Brundle, uh, I don't know if you guys heard on the broadcast, Martin Brundle asked Christian Horner that on the pit wall and said, oh, are you backing Lewis uh, into Max? And of course Christian goes, now that would be unsporting uh, Martin, you <laughs> yeah. can't do that. So it's kind of funny how um, you know he, they were, but they obviously can't admit to it because it, te- I believe it's technically against the rules. So um, yeah, I mean, it's the strategy you're going to pull. It's nice that they have a second rumble like you mentioned, Chris, to to go fight their battles and Hopefully, Sergio can get a few podiums and fight for a few podiums this year. I think he'll be able to and hopefully fight for a couple of win, wins of course, uh, eventually once we get... You know, I'd say maybe Turkey would be the, a good starting point for him. You know, the, um, Monaco, I guess, is really anyone's game, but it's tough. You have to have a good qualifying lap in Monaco. Um, I think once he can really get to grips with things, uh, it'll be really interesting to see the 2v2 battle going out between them.
0: Yeah, 100%. And part of the reason why Lewis Hamilton was able to catch up to Perez quite rapidly was because Perez almost lost his lead of the race, thanks to a driver that's oh. mainly pissed off everybody on the grid so far, oh, with yes. the exception yeah. of maybe, I think, Lewis. And I don't think he's pissed off Max just yet because I would have remembered that one. <laughs> oh, sure he's really pissed off not. Nick. And
1: Nick, it his teammate.
0: Yeah. Well, Mick's a, a sweetheart of a guy, too. Right. Uh, so I guess maybe we'll, we'll, uh, let's talk about the incident first, because I've, I've got a clip from our favorite Twitter account, F1 portrayed by top gear, which is kind of becoming a tradition (laughs) now on the podcast to play at least one clip. So we'll, we'll do that in the end to wrap it up, but it's, you know, I've tried to be fair and, and professional with, you know, talking about Mazepin. And I know some of the actual guys on the sky broadcast, in other words, are, are not as, I guess professional or whatever you want to call it, they cut straight to the point and they're honest about it, which which I do appreciate anyways. But I said, "Okay, you know, I'm going to give him a couple of races and let's let's see." But it is getting really hard and harder to defend him if that's the right word or to make excuses for him. That was just a brutal brutal move and you know, you could just imagine if that was a Hamilton or a Verstappen and that leads to, you know, them getting out of the race or getting passed or something like that, but it's, it's coming to a point where in a couple races time, if this doesn't get any better, there does need to be some serious talks about, you know, can this guy even race on the grid? Because the best the best news about Mazepin being in an F1 is the other pay drivers on the grid, let's say like Lance Stroll or Nicholas Latifi, who have been called that, they look like superstars now in comparison to this guy, right? So I guess what are your thoughts on him? And there's not really much that can be done because obviously the situation has is in but it's just like, come on, guys.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, if, if this is a NASCAR, let's say, Chris, that gets your head punched in. <laughs> like, like it's, it's pretty simple. It, like, that was one of the stupidest moves I've seen in a long time. I mean, you have the leader coming up to you, and you pull back, but then try to pass him along the outside. Like, it made zero sense. And that wasn't the first incident with Mazepin this weekend, because of course, I'm not sure if you remember, we were covering it during uh, our live stream for qualifying. And that was him getting in the way of Nicholas Latifi during a a flying lap. Latifi accidentally got in the way of Mazepin. Fair enough. He didn't know he was coming behind him. And Latifi said to his engineer, you got to let me know. But Latifi was calling it going down the straight saying he's going to get in my way going to turn one, isn't he? And like, they get to turn one. He's like, what an asshole. This, he got in, like, he got in my way. Like, obviously I didn't do it on purpose and called him a few more aggressive words uh, than I'll say, but uh, got right in the way of Latifi's for his flying lap as well, which is maybe a reason Latifi didn't get out of uh, Q1. It could not be, but still. Um, and then he does that to, to Sergio Perez in the race where he gets right in the way. And I mean, I think they were saying he had five blue flags, Um sent to him, which I mean, the limit's three, it's three blue flags maximum to get out of the way. He had five, which shows you that, I mean, it was, it's very easy to let him buy down the straight. And I'm not sure what was going through his head, but I mean, this is getting, we're only three races in the season. We have like 10 incidents with, yeah. with Mazepin now. Um, it, it's something's going to need to be addressed, whether if it's in a driver's meeting or a veteran driver, like Vettel, or Hamilton or Raikkonen take him aside and say hey so even Perez I mean he's a veteran now too take him Kevin aside.
2: Magnuson, back in here get let him give him the talk <laughs> and get this guy fired get him off the grid
1: <laughs> K-Mag <laughs> should 100% be in that car who's the reserve driver for Haas do we know is it Kevin is it Fittip- Ilot
0: no it's uh Fittipaldi yeah.
1: yeah oh he was great last year yeah um no, I just want, like, if it was a veteran, like Kibitza, that'd be someone we can mentor and say, hey, let's come aside and let's talk about this. But I guess if you don't have a mentor, um, like a, a veteran, um, as a reserve driver, it's kind of hard to do. So it's going to have to be from
2: someone on the grid. I don't know if it was a motivation booster or, like, something, but his race engineer said he was keeping up with his times and some were better were like keeping up with like Latifi and George Russell. Again, that is not a great motivation booster because they were suffering all weekend. They couldn't hold their car together. Their tires were not keeping to get together. So obviously they weren't getting their times. If you're struggling, keeping up with a car that's struggling to keep on the track and still not making times, I don't know how you can last 21 races throughout the season.
0: Well, and, and that's just it too, right? That's the other part of this conversation that we need to have. Like, I, I just did the uh, Mick Schumacher video that we released uh, today on the channel. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. But I just looked into what's the, the teammate battle is between the two. Mick is leading it 3-0 and in both qualifying in the race. He's out qualifying Mazepin on average by six tenths. And then in the race, for example, in Portugal, he finished almost a minute ahead of Mazepin. Yeah, I know he had the five-second penalty, but still, you know, a minute ahead, Schumacher eventually got by Latifi, showed great pace throughout the entire race and just the whole weekend And well. So to your point, Shaker, it's one thing to pull him aside and have a talk with him, but there's a clear talent that's missing. Now, again, like people said that about Stroll as well, but... Given time, Stroll showed pace and, and results and everything like that. I know it's early, it's only three races, but again, Stroll and, and these other quote unquote pay drivers never had these sort of issues where they were really getting on the nerves of their fellow drivers.
2: Lance Pim- Stroll is still the youngest podium winner till this day. I mean That's just- true. <laughs> yeah. Very good point. So um I mean, yeah, go ahead, Tyler. No, no, go ahead. My- no, that 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 was just that was my main point i just i want to i want to place bets
1: on monaco and i have two specifically one how many cars is he going to wreck or how many times is he going to crash during the practices qualifying and race in monaco His car is not making it to the race Two,
2: how many laps does he last in the race his car doesn't make it to the race (laughs) i'm i'm 100 serious i don't think that he can finish free qualifying. I'm like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. I don't think he can finish qualifying and the Haas engineers have the, have the time to put that card back together. And if they they do, if they do, I don't think he's making it past turn one. Turn one? That's what you're saying? I'm a hundred percent serious. I'm not even joking. He hasn't made it past like, yeah, I, I don't think it's happening, unfortunately.
1: We can talk about this more when it comes close to Monaco. But I mean, like...
2: He can't make it over two lanes, Tyler. <laughs> so... Uh, he can't
1: it, let a car pass him in two lanes. <laughs> imagine the blue flags in Monaco.
2: Yeah. That's where we he
1: might can't. see this all explode. Honestly, we might He's, see this explode in Monaco.
2: There's... Like, he, if you can't let a car pass you with, with space and see the blue flags, like, how are you supposed to make it past 20 cars past turn one? Like... <laughs>
0: Do you, do you guys want to see a nice visual of what mazapin and monaco might look like oh my god yeah. yeah is this the top gear video uh i've got that queued up but this is actually a different one but be- oh, okay because this you said crap. um you guys were talking about monaco it like just like jolted something in my brain that i saw uh okay hold on just share uh, audio as well share sound okay i don't think there's sound on this but i'll play the top gear ones after so Great point that you guys are bringing up. I'm so glad that you talked about this because that could be a disaster if it's not cleaned up by them, but it could look a little something like this.
2: Oh, oh my God. Oh my goodness. Straight up. (laughs) Straight up. I think that's what's happening in qualifying. Straight up. I think that's happening in qualifying.
1: I mean, that reminds (laughs) me of the casino section. He could could do that exact thing during the (laughs) casino section. Yeah
0: it could be right but like blue flags too I mean that's tough in Monaco it's, it's already such a narrow narrow circuit in uh, so you know maybe just to wrap up uh, with, with a little bit of humor I know we're <laughs> it's, I know it's, it's, it's a hot topic but uh, this was this must have been Sergio Perez uh, while he was kind of going behind Mazepin and was thinking what is this car
2: Olivier Panis
1: found the Morris particularly annoying
2: what is this shitbox?
0: What is this car? A Maurice? Ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had uh, uh, one more here. Uh, well, that was Mick on that one. I think there was... Okay, maybe I didn't have one. Well, let's play this one too because this was obviously his teammate, the the lone positive at Hass this year when he actually got by the Williams of Nicholas Satifi, which was a nice little battle.
1: Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I love it was a it was a blue yeah, car that's too. Exactly how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I felt bad for for Latifi and Russell because they had a tough go this weekend um with their car not going well. uh But at the at the same time, I felt very good for Mick and like his his engineer.
2: Yes, yes,
1: just loving it on the. uh Uh, on the radio as well so I mean it's good for Mick he's driving really well and uh, he's put in a tough situation right now but uh, you can see he's learning a lot in the first three races I mean he the growth process between first race of the season and here in Portimao um, has been very noticeable already so I can't imagine him when we get to race 15 16 of the season
2: Mm, absolutely, and I, I, I yeah, like, like you said, I felt bad for uh, for uh, for Latifi, but I felt really good for Mick making that pass. Um, I think that's his first overtaking F one. Correct me if I am wrong.
0: Other than no, his teammate, other yeah. than his teammate, that doesn't count. <laughs>
2: that's not really a driver. Jeez, I am sorry, I am being very harsh. But you guys should know my hate for Esteban Ocon has gone towards good
0: that's fine how to let's I transition really like that because Esteban, that esteban
2: had a, now I...
1: <laughs> he had a fantastic race our, our segues are on point tonight they are i he had a fantastic weekend i'm so proud of esteban Um uh, just killing it all weekend and, and alonso had a great one as well i'll let you segue off chris but just oh i'm so proud of them
2: that was yeah that was what i was going towards so nice <laughs> thank you <laughs>
1: no
0: i i 100 completely agree with you and You know what, Esteban Ocon, if he continues this trend, he might deserve a a video of his own uh, for us to put out just because, tell you what, I thought Alonso was going to come in and thrash Ocon like he did to Van Dorn, but that is not the case, man. Two races in a row outraced and outqualified him. Alonso was very pissed off with himself for not performing very well in qualifying and then eventually redeemed himself in the race and had a a really strong finish to the race, actually. He just found pace all of a sudden. Whereas in the first part of the race, I even think Martin Martin Brundle was saying like, ooh, like Alonso's struggling a lot. And then 15 laps later, he's like zooming past Carlos Sainz and everybody. But Alpine found a lot of good pace with those upgrades. So whether they can continue that slope now, it seems like they've gotten ahead of Aston Martin, which, you know, I, I don't know what's going on over there. Can they challenge now, uh, you know, against Ferrari? I think it's a little bit close or a little bit tougher for them. But Ocon, man, for me, yeah, he's been one of the most impressive drivers so
1: far. Uh, yeah, no, I think so too. And they worked, both the uh, cars worked really well on the hard tires. So, uh, I mean, maybe there's just a the setup that they had worked really well with the hard tires and they were aiming for that, but they were flying throughout the race. And like you mentioned, it was like Alonzo came out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's passing Ricardo and he's passing science. are like, holy sh- where is it? Like, there's the old Alonzo that we like. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously for us about great qualifying and a great race as well. So, it's awesome to see from the Alpines because I was worried at the start, like, oh, what's going on with, with their car? It just didn't seem great in Bahrain, but um, Portsmouth seemed like a, a great track for them.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I know I probably mentioned it before about maturity, about drivers and seeing Atlanta Norris this season. Uh, but I think that's the biggest difference I've noticed. I think from, you know, year one, when we saw Esteban Ocon, we had that whole incident with Max. Year two, we saw a little more aggressiveness in him, having Danny Ricardo as his teammate being brought in as that, you know, that's second driver, even though there was no real, like, list for them. Uh, but I think just the maturity that, you know, he's in this third year that I've seen with him racing. I think this is his third year overall, if I'm not wrong, fourth? Uh, fourth, I think. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's just the maturity throughout the race, uh, just keeping it cool the entire time, qualifying. Uh, at the end, you know, it's he didn't. He wasn't happy. I think he was more happy that they got double team points than he was with him getting P seven. Um, I, I and Fernando Alonso was great. I think there was a little bit of a. I don't know. Daniel Ricardo probably had a little sad song playing in his head as as Alonso passed by. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah I think uh, all, like you guys you guys already mentioned it, his qualifying wasn't the greatest he was upset with himself brought it all back for that race to kind of you know push for that p8 spot um the best position they can probably get all weekend um you know with 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 everything that happened I think p7 and p8 is probably exactly where we're probably gonna see out like you know in terms of the best that they can get fighting it off with mcLaren and um, and Ferrari so yeah great race overall from both of them um, but like I said the maturity that I've seen as Ocon has really turned me around on him he's doing having a great year Um, you know he's he, you can see that he really he's really put in that time from the year that he had off he that he, he's really put in that time. So.
0: Yeah and it seems like they're they're really trying to work together as a team mm-hmm. with Alonso as well to to try and get themselves forward but Compared to where they were in Bahrain, they definitely have made a pretty significant step forward. And they're really in that battle. I don't. I think third place is out of reach for them this year just because of how strong McLaren is and Ferrari as well. But if they can finish ahead of Aston Martin, for example, this season, I think that would be a big positive considering where Aston were last season as racing point. And if we transition then on to Aston Martin, then we look at Sebastian Vettel, who's probably had his best weekend so far with the team, obviously making it into Q3 starting the race in 10th, but their race pace is just nowhere really at the moment. And eventually they finished 13th and 14th and Vettel's still pointless. Of course, in 2021, some positives for him personally, but I just think the team is kind of in a, a weird sort of no man's land at the moment where three races in, they haven't really shown much to us and they were probably the most hyped team coming into this year.
1: Yeah. I'm not quite sure what's going on. I know obviously that high rake and you know, they, they lose a lot of, you know, advantages that they had last season um being a high, a high rate team like mercedes but you know it's tough because like you mentioned they're very hyped going into the season and there's a lot expected of aston martin with all this money coming in and uh, obviously a big brand in aston martin and, and the racing history that they have so You know, maybe the tracks haven't been able to suit them. I don't think Portsmouth was ever really a good track for racing point. If ever to last year, um, the racing points didn't do well in Portsmouth. I don't remember. Um, so, I mean, it just depends. Maybe they have the track set up like they usually do where they're looking for those long straights, high speed, um You know, not no mechanical grip tracks where Portimao had to you know involve a lot of mechanical grip, especially in those slippery slippery conditions that we saw all weekend. Well, nice to see at least Vettel show some pace during qualifying. But uh you know, I, I want him to get a few points in Aston Martin here already. Yeah,
2: yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I, I think we can uh, we can see that um, uh, Vettel still kind of settling into that car. I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it, it was a big, big factor of the, the car not being there this weekend. The uh, the team not having that car set up properly, sorry. Um, you know, we saw them be both in 13th, 14th place, all struggling for pace the entire time. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a tough track for them, for sure. Uh, definitely, you know, from what, like you guys said, from what we saw from Racing Point from last year, to turned to Racing Aston Martin, the hype just hasn't kept up. You know, we're three races into the season. I think um, uh, Lance Stroll has what the, the first race of the season. But yeah, I think from the hype that we saw last year, it's just quite, not quite there yet uh, with even Aston with the Aston Martin name attached to it. But I think it's it's going to take a few for sure. Um, I mean, Barcelona is going to be kind of a good factor to show them that's their test track, right? So it's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens there.
0: Yeah, we'll see. And I think they are expected to bring some sort of an upgrade package to Barcelona as well, which is kind of customary generally on a regular calendar year. So maybe it will be a little bit delayed this season, but I think that they'll they'll try and bring some updates to the car. So the final two things for me really from this race, and then we can kind of maybe wrap up on a couple other topics. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Kimi Raikkonen, who <laughs> obviously we saw the mistake early on in the race, but he owned up to it right away. And really didn't didn't you know make any bones about it and said it was my fault. He even said on the radio, you know, he hoped he didn't damage Antonio Giovanassi's tires, which of course, luckily, they weren't. So yeah, just a shout out to to and to owning up to a mistake. I think he was you know looking on the dash at a steering wheel and just really misjudged it.
1: Yeah, he, I think I don't know if he said to a reporter or what, but he said that he was switching a dial on his um, on his steering wheel and just lost track where he was. i didn't think he was closing in that fast on giovanazzi So, and of course, even worse luck. Usually you'd be able to coast around the track and you know, get a new front wing and continue, but his front wing literally lifted his front tires off the ground. So, <laughs> yeah. Just like double bad luck for Raikkonen, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, very very unfortunate. I mean, it was a good thing to, you know, shut off that car right away. Uh, probably better overall for them for the season. Uh, t- you know, to h- hold on to some, a lot of their parts and not have to spend as much money. Uh, but yeah, it's like like you said, Chris. Right away, he's like, I really hope I didn't ruin Giovannazzi's of Nazis' race. <laughs> yeah. So, g- g- yeah, it- really good to see. Um, yeah, I-, I don't think I have anything else.
1: Yeah, I just time. met the Ice Man. Got to go to his uh, motorhome a little earlier and have some <laughs> have some vodka, just like in Monaco.
0: Yeah. Yeah, i'm sure he took the early flight home but uh yeah or i don't know maybe if he's going home or if he just went straight to barcelona it's not too far away
1: yeah, that's true.
0: Uh, yeah because barcelona will be just in a couple of days time actually by uh when we release this podcast uh so finally for me the last thing that i just wanted to to touch on is you mentioned mclaren earlier and daniel ricardo's recovery drive to p9 but his teammate lando norris continuing his exceptional form that he did in 2020 it's his fourth straight top five finish and is actually third in the world drivers championship after three races he's ahead of valtteri bottas actually with 37 Uh, points and uh i i don't think he's actually that far behind uh max verstappen if i just pull up the standings here
2: max verstappen has 61 and lana norris with 37 and then bottas with 32
0: There you go. So, I mean, it is a little bit farther away, obviously, from Verstappen. But regardless, anyways, a McLaren Mercedes is in the top three of the championship. But Norris just had another really good race. It kind of flew under the radar because of, obviously, the action up front. But shows just how good that McLaren is. They're extremely friendly to their tires. Unfortunate for Daniel Ricciardo getting, you know, knocked out in Q1, and you really hope that he can get on top of the new car as well like some of the other new drivers at their teams and then join his, t- his teammate. Because if you have two McLarens fighting up there, it's going to make it harder for the likes of Alpine and Ferrari. But Norris is really, really putting the team on his back this season so far. And it's just great to see.
2: Yeah. And if I uh, just want to point out that if, we, if somehow Valtteri Bottas gets no points next week and Sergio Perez manages to get at least fifth place, he'll be tied for Valtteri as well. So it's not they're, not, they're not far off. But again, that's him getting absolutely no points next weekend.
1: <laughs> right. No, Lando has been very good. Uh, and, and it's shown in the standings, obviously, one podium and three top fives, like you mentioned. So it's it's awesome to see from the young driver. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of know hype behind him and hype behind George especially from you know the UK media outlets because why not Uh, there should be they're two very talented drivers and Norris is really showing it this uh, so far this season and hopefully Ricardo can he showed a lot of great pace this weekend as well Ricardo Um, and you know it's only three races he has to still have to come to grips I think you know from Turkey on is really the the start of the okay let's see how they've settled into their cars now, so uh, McLaren are I think are sure shot number three, uh, the number three car on the grid right now.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that, and it's going to be hard to kind of knock them off that poor off of that perch and top three, even though Ferrari does look good. You know, they had another solid race weekend, Carlos science's side of the garage didn't really get the strategy right. But Charles Leclerc put in another great weekend. Science seems to be, out of all the new drivers, have adjusted the most quickly and has Mm -hmm. adjusted the best, really, because he did already out-qualify Charles in this race starting fifth. But nonetheless, I I still think McLaren are are the strongest out of that bunch. And we'll see in a couple of these races, track-dependent, that they might be able to battle for that podium like they did in Imola. So it's just great to see. And it's nice to see Norris really getting that attention. You'll see all the hype is around George Russell, but Norris is kind of really stealing that thunder as of late and uh, kind of showing that, okay, he's just not not just a Twitch streamer, you know, not just a, <laughs> a, a gamer online. He's, he's one of the best drivers uh, in the world. So uh, excellent, excellent job for, for Lando Norris. Now, do you guys have anything else from uh, the Portuguese Grand Prix before we kind of uh, wrap up with just our final topic?
2: Just sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Sergio Perez technically the, one, the, the best one because he out qualified Max last weekend? Am I wrong? Am I the best driver? <laughs> no, no. Like in terms of the shakeup between like signs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess you could say that. <laughs> Sorry, I was just making sure because we've been told that we have to get our facts straight. So. <laughs> <laughs> <By who? laughs> hey, I, I might be wrong. But I'm right. Sergio Perez did get pole position last race. Second place. Second place. Okay. 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 Yes. Okay.
0: But you, but you're right. He did out qualify Max, yeah. and I, I guess the only thing I would say to that is that. The RB16 is a much better car than yeah, the SF1. Sure. Was is, is it called SF1? No, it's not the called SF. SF21 this year. Mm-hmm. So I think that in that sense, if you look at it, you could say, well, maybe science is the best one because the car isn't as good. It's But I, I would say Perez, just because of how long he's been with Force India slash Racing Point and mm-hmm. Red Bull is a dramatically different car for sure. to, to what he's used to. So, yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Which we might get fact-checked for, I guess. Probably. (laughs) Uh, Tyler, anything uh, from your end then that uh, we might have missed that you picked up on watching the race?
1: Uh, No, not really. Just um, I want to see how Spain turns out. I mean, I've never been a big fan of Spain and circuits, so I know I've been vocal on that on the podcast before, so I'm I want to be highly optimistic going into the race and, and keep my mind open uh, to see what's going to happen. But I hope for an entertaining race.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate. There's no fans in Spain yet, right, for for the race? That's right. Yeah, yeah that's unfortunate because that would have been a great, uh, great to see with the fans, to see Fernando Alonso returning mm-hmm. to F1, um, having two Spanish drivers on the grid as well. That would have been great to see. Um, but yes, I'm really looking forward to it. Should be really good, I hope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. Uh, they made some adjustments to turn 10. They've essentially extended the braking zone. So they made it sort of a little bit wider going into turn 10. If you guys remember, it's kind of a heavier braking zone hairpin. I don't think that's really going to affect, you know, Im- improve the overtaking or the action really all that much. Forecast I've seen possibly some rain, but it's too early to tell and it never really materializes anyway. And I'm already working on the preview for Spain, and it's not good news because it's kind of like Monaco, where uh, you know, out of the 30 races at the Barcelona-Catalonia circuit, 23 out of 30 of the races have been won from pole position, and only two have been won from outside of top two on the grid. So in a way, it's kind of like Monaco, where you have to essentially qualify on pole if you really want the, a good chance to win the race. So at least Saturday will be interesting, and it'll be very exciting. But I, I agree with you guys. You know, it's always that race where it's like it's like Russia when it comes up. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not that excited for this one, but hopefully it proves us wrong. Yeah. I
1: just want to mention the, the turn to 10. The only thing I could think of it helping out, Chris, is um, maybe some crossover moves. You know, if someone dives in deep uh, on the inside, it will help the the car out on the outside be a little bit wider to help with that crossover move. So it um, could lead to some past turn 10 exciting racing uh, you know, turn 11 and turn 12 but um, yeah we'll, we'll see it's a modification they're trying out there and uh, there's nothing you can do but try
0: the old switcheroo that's right <laughs> yeah well that's that's for Barcelona and it's coming up quickly the first back-to-back of this season so that's it for the Portuguese Grand Prix recap and of course comment down below your thoughts if maybe we missed anything uh, let us know down in the comments below we're, we're curious to know what you guys thought of this race now, just to wrap up this podcast, I just wanted to maybe spend a few minutes talking about the sprint qualifying idea that was recently passed. We didn't get to touch on it in the previous podcast because it wasn't finalized. And then obviously in the live stream, we didn't get to talk about it. So I just wanted to kind of dedicate a few minutes to this debate or, or just you guys' opinions. I'm curious because I know you guys were saving your thoughts for the podcast and what you thought about it. So let me start with you, Tyler. I know you were uh, kind of holding your opinion close to your heart when (laughs) I, when I asked you, but what do you think of of the changes? And maybe before that actually it would be helpful maybe for people that don't know the exact format, if you don't mind just uh, me going through it. So the proposed changes it will happen at Silverstone, Monza, and then a race to be decided at a later point. I think it's going to be a
1: non-European circuit. I, I, I want to debate that with you guys too, and where we think it's going to be, but we'll get to that after the rules. Go ahead.
0: Okay. So, Essentially, the way the new weekend format is going to work. So on Friday, you're going to have practice one, which will be 60 minutes. So like it is now. And then later on in the day, you won't have an FP2. You will have a qualifying and it will be the same qualifying format as we have now. So Q1, Q2, Q3. And that is for the sprint race on Saturday. So then we move into the Saturday events on the weekend. We have practice two, which will be in the morning. So that's another 60 minute session like you would, let's say, your FP3 on a normal weekend like we do now. And then following practice two on the Saturday, you get the sprint qualifying race, which is the 20-lap race to determine the grid for Sunday. And then, of course, Sunday's race is the traditional race. The, for example, if it would be Spain, it'd be the 66-lap race. So that would be that. So with that in mind, Tyler, what are your thoughts on this idea? And do you think it's going to work?
1: For, is, there, is there no reverse grid? No reverse grid. Okay, I wasn't sure about that. So that's one of the things that I was kind of keeping why I didn't want to put my whole opinion out there. That's the only problem I can see with this, with this format is that if, with no reverse grid, we could see, you know, if, say Lewis wins, well, Lewis is going to just drive off into the sunset probably um, for the, the whole race. So um, that's the only problem I see with it. Other than that, I think it's a fantastic idea because I like F1 trying to go out of the box a little bit. And this is a safe way to do it. It works in F2. Um, it works in, in F3. It, I think it's a proven method that uh, leads to exciting racing. Um, you know, it's not drawn out. It can really bring in you know, people who are maybe um, just starting to get into F1 and they want to watch, they don't want to sit down for two hours and watch a race. They want to watch a 30-minute, you know, 30, 40-minute race. They can sit down and watch that in a sitting pretty much and, you know, maybe get a little excited about F1. And then you bring them into um, the full races. So I think it's a great marketing idea. I think it's a a good race idea as well. Obviously the teams I would think have to sign off on it. Um, so it's, I think all in all, um, you can't blame anyone for trying if it fails well, they tried it, uh, you know, it didn't work out, but I think it could lead to success. And I wouldn't want to see it for every single race on the calendar like I don't need to see it in Spain twice. I don't need to see two Spain races. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to see two races in Russia. You know, it, the same sort of thing. It'd be nice maybe if they do it for half the year. It's 10 races on on the grid, let's say. Uh and they pick 10 10 tracks and they can change throughout the years, you know, maybe Monza has it one year and Portimão for example has it the next year instead. Um, lots of very different ways you can do it, but all in all, I I give it an 8 out of 10 so far.
0: Shaker, what do you think?
2: I think it's an interesting idea. Uh, but I also have the opinion that it's just F1 trying to make a bunch more money out of the weekend. Um, I, and I get it. it's a Like you said, Tyler. it's a great marketing strategy to bring more fans in. Because like you said, it's a 30, 40-minute sit-down compared to two hours. It's a flat-out track. You're only racing for 100 kilometers. So that, and I think for the fans, it's great. For our viewership, it's great. Um, I just think in the, I don't know how it's from the team or driver's point of view, because obviously they're, you know, technically they're instead of doing qualifying in a full race, you know, they're doing qualifying in almost two races throughout the weekend, uh, pushing their engines a little bit more, pushing their entire team a little bit more, because obviously that involves more strategies to be done, uh, less time to figure out the setup of their car for the weekend. Um, but I it less setup for the race but more figure to more to figure out their setup for the actual race because then they have to it's kind of like the sprint race acts like a free practice for qualifying as well as the race so it's it's interesting I don't know if I'm sold just yet um I think I would have to see it uh, like on a couple of races um but like qualifying, I mean, there is still qualifying. That's, I don't know. It, I'm kind of like just sitting right in the middle of, I like the idea, but until I see it, I'm not sold on it.
1: You know? Fair. That's fair. And, and
0: I would be in agreement of that. And I saw this on, on Twitter and I think it's probably the best way to summarize how I feel about this uh, sort of proposed or, or I guess trial run format is an ingenious solution to a problem that we don't have, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, I thought that the weekend format was pretty solid the way it was, you know, and they shortened the practice sessions this year, which I thought okay at first. I wasn't that happy about it, but now watching it, I, I like it. It's it's a bit easier as a fan to on Friday watch all the sessions. Now as a fan, you know, eventually, hopefully, one day going back to the tracks, I like the ninety minute practice sessions because on a Friday, for example, you get to watch three hours of cars running around the track, which is phenomenal for you know us as as Canadian F one fans. We only get to go to one race a year, so seeing as much on track action for us is great. So, for me, again, I'm with Shaker. I want to see how this works first and then have more of an opinion about it. Some of the issues that I see is, like you said, Tyler, like, you know, if, if the race is just going to be the sprint race, for example, is just going to be more like the real races, then it's just going to be, you know, more of the same. There's no pit stops, for example. So, are we really going to see much overtaking with the generation of cars that we have now? Then the other question is in a racing scenario you've obviously got the more chances for accidents and bigger crashes so how would that affect things for the big race on Sunday in terms of repairs we got the budget cap now so are we going to have more engines or you know more money for spare parts whatever it is I think those are some of the issues that I see but like I said I agree let's see how it works we we do it at three races this year if it's a total catastrophe like the 2016 qualifying format <laughs> then you know it gets scrapped but I like the fact that they've learned from that those previous mistakes and are going to trial, trial run it first and then bring it in permanently or not at all. But I think it's it's also tough this year too because we have a close championship. So I don't necessarily agree with trialing it this year just because of the fact that we have a very close championship and that might screw things up a little bit if it
1: doesn't go as well as
0: they hope it does. So...
1: Well, there aren't many points being awarded, though. First place gets three points, second place gets two points, and uh, third place gets one point. And that's all the points awarded, I think.
0: Right. I I mean, in terms of if there was some sort of failure, you know, Ah. component wise or crash or something, right? Gotcha.
2: Yeah, and and you're right. I think maybe starting it when they had the entire rule change coming to get what 2022 now next year. I think maybe if they tried it for three races during that season, probably would have been a better trial period because that way the the car the teams know their budget cap a little bit more. They know what they're dealing with. Doing it this year, uh, going into a t- uh, into a year where they're gonna be putting a budget cap might completely change the format. Maybe it's not viable to do sprint races every weekend, you know, or every you know, however many times they decide to do it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a very good point with that budget cap. I mean, it's something that's under the radar right now with um, teams trying to figure out, of course, how they can spend to the max of the budget cap and, um, and strain on engines. Like you mentioned, Shaker, I mean, that's going to be a big thing, especially as they're trying to get less and less engines throughout the the year to help the budgets, but putting more strain on them, of course, will lead to more failures. So uh, it, it, who knows how this is going to work out? I mean, it, it would have been interesting to see if they did the F2 style where the top eight is reverse grid. You know, eighth in the sprint race starts first, but I know a lot of F1 drivers are very against the reverse grid format. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll only know if we try it, right?
2: Yeah, no, exactly. absolutely. And,
0: and oh. just yeah, just quickly, just to throw in our, our tracks that mm. the the third track that they might pick as a non-European circuit. I'm thinking maybe uh, some something in the U.S. So either uh, certain, well, obviously just a circuit of the Americas, or I'm thinking also maybe Mexico.
2: You know where I think the sprint race would do really well is Miami when it does happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm actually. I think I think it would be a great like just because is. they're trying to make it like monaco it's supposed to be this extravagant like party that you go to right and i think for us to have a sprint race event like that set up to have uh more people to watch you know i think it'd be a more interesting format to run at those races like monaco or miami when they go there because it's more of a spectacle than anything you know we watch it because we want to watch the race people watch it as a spectacle so
1: i'm thinking of it purely as the race and, and what's going to give me the most exciting race in twenty laps? And I'm thinking Interlagos at Brazil. I think at 20 a twenty-lap sprint race would be fantastic around there. We're the thinking
2: end. of that, but F1 is thinking of money.
1: I know, I know, but that's <laughs> I've got to think of it this way. So I don't. Know, I think it'd be a fantastic Interlagos.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's I, a great pick.
1: That's yeah. my that's my pick is is Brazil for this year. Yeah,
0: I, I would agree with that one. Actually, I think that one probably should be the the way to go. Narrow circuit, but also plenty of areas for overtaking and a track that's given us exciting races so
1: yeah that's a good good, i didn't even think of that one actually drivers can be really aggressive around there too so i mean it's a perfect kind of aggressive track to do it at
2: i'd go spa or hungry i think spa
1: is an interesting shout shaker i think that's another spot that yeah we work around
2: yeah i think spa would be pretty good i I, i'm hungry would be interesting but I, i think spa would be would be my choice
0: yeah, very interesting indeed. It's it's a new and exciting idea and F1 definitely not afraid to to try and mix things up. So yeah, let us know what you guys think. Obviously, this is a highly uh, debated topic and everybody's got their opinions, but I think that'll be interesting to you know talk about this on a future podcast after Silverstone when we actually see what it looks like. And I think maybe we'll probably try and do some live streams for one of the sprint races or something like that just to yeah. see how it goes and everybody will see our live reaction and we'll hear everybody else's live reaction. So It might be the best thing in the world or it might be the worst thing, but I think we can all agree that we're very happy that they're at least trialing it and not that they just overhauled the whole format Mm -hmm. for the whole season right in one go. So yeah, comment down below. What do you guys think? And, uh, and, and let us know uh, whether it's going to work or, or or not. So should be, should be very interesting. All right. Well, I think that'll do it then for episode 104. Do you guys have anything else you want to add in before we sign off?
1: Oh, that's it for me. Uh, See what Spain brings.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Should be very interesting. Round four of the
0: championship, currently two to one for Hamilton in terms of race wins. Of course, Hamilton's still looking for that 100th pole position as well. So a lot to play for and hopefully the circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia will be friendly to us this year and actually provide uh, quite quite the entertainment for us over 66 laps. But that does it for the Portuguese Grand Prix recap for 2021. Thank you so much, for watching along and listening along to us if you're new to the channel and you like what you see and if you like some of our other videos consider giving us a subscribe on youtube if you're listening to on the on an audio platform whether it's spotify or itunes or any of the other favorite podcast platforms uh, give us a, a good rating on there and also follow us as well so you never miss a new episode following every race this season in the f1 calendar So that will do it for us. For Shaker Barty and Tyler McDonald, I'm Chris Cato for the Backmarkers F1 show. And until next time, it's bye for now. Take care, guys.